Check me out. I'm Robin, the boy wonder. Are you kidding me? This rocks. Come on, old man. We've got bad guys in me chasing. This is the best day of my life. You think you did? You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings, anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit. What's the matter? Lost for words. Expected more. I'm hurt. Joker sent me the film. I saw him kill you. Don't you dare lie to me! How long did you wait before replacing me, huh? A month? A week? I trusted you! And you just left me to die! That's not what happened. You always told me, Bruce. Focus on what I want to achieve, and it'll happen. Yeah! We did it! We aced him! I set him up, you take him out. One, two, huh, Batman? Ugh. You'll be fine. Of course I will. You trained me. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. The Batman Universe Specials proudly presents Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast, a monthly podcast dedicated to the weekly DC comic series Batman and Robin Eternal, taking a look and celebrating at the 75-year history of the Robin character. And now, please welcome Rob, Terrence, Ian, and Luke for the Batman Universe Specials Batman and Robin Eternal. What's your name? Carrie. Carrie Kelly. Robin. Don't look so stunned, Father. I thought you'd be taller. This was yours? Still is. Keep your hands off it, kid. Is this what you wore in training? It's what I wore when I went on patrol. The only thing it's missing is lace trim and a sun hat. You don't fool me. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you could be Robin. Well, you can't. I don't need some insipid costume and a bird name. I'm way beyond your kind of simplistic training, as you saw tonight. Don't forget, you lost that fight. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the BatmanUniverse.net Specials Edition. This is Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. And it is seven months later, if you are listening to this. This is episode number seven. We are at the final end, the conclusion of Batman and Robin Eternal. Tonight, we are taking a look at three books, issues 24, 25, and 26, the conclusion of Batman and Robin Eternal. Tonight, we have Ian and Luke returning tonight. Uh, Ian, how are you doing tonight, sir? Very excited. This is six, six and a half months in the making. Yes, definitely. And Luke, how are you doing tonight, sir? Good evening, gentlemen. I'm well. How are y'all? Good, good. And I'm sure everybody went to the theaters and probably saw my big fat Greek wedding too, and everybody loved it. <laughs> oh man, the Greeks, they were so big and fat. <laughs> so big, so fat, and so so a sequel. Married? <laughs> married, yeah, they were so married. <laughs> uh, so it goes without to say, there are, uh, Batman vs. Superman has come out. So uh, you can go through the Batman Universe podcast, and there are tons of podcasts talking about it um, we are going to pull back from Batman vs. Superman and finish up Batman and Robin Eternal without further ado let's just get into this 
three issues tonight as you know as these were uh coming out it was kind of a little surreal to know you know we started this like ian said six and a half months ago and uh you know we're now down to the final three and uh I felt like we like it was full steam running, and we were on this nice incline to reach a, a big climax. And I felt we kind of plateaued for these last um, four books. I think not that they were bad or horrible, but um, I, I was ex- I was expecting more at the end of the uh, series, and we'll. Uh, get into 26 uh, eventually here in a little bit. Uh, did you guys have the same thoughts and feelings uh, when the series wrapped up of where where you thought we were going and where we actually ended up? Let's uh, throw it over to Ian. Well, I mean, this is pretty much where I was expecting it to go based on that eight-page preview, which had um, that big bat wing with all the all the bat family fighting mm-hmm. in their various locations, and we got. I mean, we got basically those exact same scenes in 24 and 25. Um, Part of me wonders whether the feeling of a plateau is because we're reading this every week as opposed to in a trade where I feel like if we were reading a trade and a conspiracy on the size of Mother's conspiracy was taking place and it was all wrapped up in even 38 pages, which is how long 26 is, we would feel cheated. We would feel that that battle was too easy for our heroes. Um, so I think part of the, the sense of a plateau might be because we're reading this spread out, and it feels like we've done the same thing, whereas if we read this all together, we'd feel cheated if we didn't have these really big fights where they have to work through all the characters. Yeah. Uh, Luke? Uh, I I couldn't help but try to compare this, the ending, toward... Uh, Batman Eternal. Mm-hmm, me too. Compared to this one, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want to say that I didn't enjoy the series because I did. It was a fun series, uh, but what this kind of differed from the last one was that there's a lot more mystery slash um, some uh, unfinished. Or, that's that's a bad question. I would say mystery to the first one. We really didn't know who the ultimate bad person was, the ultimate motive to like basically for real. Yeah. <laughs> Changed like ten billion times, <laughs> right? But um, that was kind of the plateau of last season. Right? <laughs> yeah, but this one was pretty much straightforward. We kind of knew where this was heading. Uh, my little daughter. <laughs> um, Aww. Yeah, we, we we knew this one where this one was heading for a while now. It was just a matter. of of time before there was the final showdown between Mother and and uh, Harper and Dick, but this one is more thematic. I thought with the other one, where it just really just kind of really hit the theme, but we knew the theme for for quite a while, you know. So I wouldn't say much as a, a plateau as much as I mean, what else could they have done? I mean, we knew who the bad person was, and we knew ultimately where had that happened to go at some point. Well, and I think also we're in a different place. Um, Batman Eternal was sort of experimental. It was the first time James Tynan had really headed up a weekly comic of that size. It's the first time they'd really done this since you know their previous weeklies almost a decade ago. Um, so I feel like this time they knew more where they wanted to end. And they they wanted to try something different rather than that mystery plot they wanted to go for. Uh, this global scale um, battle. I also think that um, going into Rebirth, I I don't know if they knew Rebirth was coming back in 
August when they announced Batman and Robin Eternal. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure they knew Bam- uh, Rebirth was coming in January of this year. And so I feel like they were really trying to wrap things up more. Whereas Batman Eternal was, they don't know how long the universe is going to go, so they set a lot of things in motion and didn't wrap them up. This one, they wrapped pretty much everything up. And I think that's because they know a big change is coming. Like you said, I wonder how far in advance that they knew this was coming. Um, it was kind of, I'm thinking going back to clear back to the death of Superman or even uh, Batman Nightfall, where they mapped out, you know, this is what's going on in the entire universe of DC Comics. Um, and I can't believe entirely that this started in August and by December they decide, yeah, we're going to restart the, you know, rebirth or, you know, sidestep it a little bit. I I half wonder if this wasn't in the groundworks from the onset of this series. It it kind of feels that way, but at the same time it kind of not. That's probably not making any sense, but uh, I'd have to think that they, they thought about it more than, than just this. Well, it sounds to me like Rebirth really had its roots in New York Comic Con last fall which is after they'd set Batman and Robin Eternal in motion. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's difficult to say that they knew when they started that Rebirth was coming, but I think there might have been some course correction. And that honestly could be what happened with issue number 21, where it was the backstory of Mother, and it felt really kind of unnecessary to me. Yeah. It, it, that might have been an issue where they were going to do something else, and then Rebirth hit, and James Tynan was like, "Well, I guess I got to do something with this issue that's different." Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I, but I actually think you you might be onto something there uh, with that. So let's let's jump into uh, issue 24, our first book for this evening. Um, we've got a really cool uh, cover here of uh, Azrael and. Uh, Grayson on the front cover, and I think now we've said it before. These last few podcasts, the covers have been really stand out, um, and we've said it about Eternal that um, for every one good cover we got in the normal Eternal series, uh, we had like five mediocre ones. And I think for the most part, the covers on this have been very pleasing and had been enough that you would look at it and go, "Oh wow, this this makes me want to uh, pick up this issue." Um, I I feel like this particular issue um, with the grace and stuff. I'm going to kind of jump here uh, towards um, uh, just the onset of it. Is you know Dick's really not in this issue um, at all. Um, this this actually feels like what Ian was saying. This is the you know the the bat logo and the preview shot of this is kind of that sequence of all of the Robins and then we're throwing in people like Black Canary and Talon and uh, Katana and uh, Catwoman uh, and Batwoman into the mix and uh, the We Are Robins, even though they were kind of sort of brought in the last two previous issues, uh, this is that moment. And I was trying to go back through and look at the uh, preview image for this. Were... Uh, Black Canary, Katana, um, Talon, which to me Talon just seemed like he just came out of nowhere. Like he has all but disappeared from. He's James Tynan's pet character. He's always going to show up in a James Tynan series. Yeah, but he didn't make an appearance anywhere else um, 
uh, th- those three in particular, even Catwoman, um, they were not in that preview image. Am I correct in saying that? The only people in the preview image were Tim Drake, uh, Jason Todd, Harper Rowe, uh, Damian Wayne, Stephanie Brown, and then Jim Gordon as Batman and Duke Thomas as Robin. Okay. So those were the only people in the, the eight-page preview. And, uh, yeah, I don't think even Midnighter was even uh, mentioned anywhere until, you know, most recently. Um, I like this, though. I like the uh, the global aspect that everybody's here, and we're using um, – I about said Dr. Midnight. <laughs> we're, we're using uh, – uh, I'm escaping on his name, uh, his portals. Um Midnighter. Midnighter, good lord. Dr. Midnight. I was close. <laughs> Reason Midnighter's portals, which, you know, I was wondering, like, how are they going to get everybody in all these locations, or what's the event that causes everybody to branch out? So I thought that was a, a kind of a cool way to kind of teleport everybody back and forth, and they use the doors um, really pretty cool, um, really effectively in the story as well. And I think it's kind of funny from issue 23 to 20. Four Midnighter has decided. Hey, I'm going to get in my costume. When we last previously saw him, you know, he's in the uh, his little bunker with uh, the Scarecrow and with uh, Colin. They're just kind of chilling there out of costume. So um, I kind of wanted to see him a little bit more in action in the series. But uh, what did you guys think about uh, the portals and uh, uh, this uh, first opening uh, fight sequence, uh, Ian? I think it's pretty clear that Steve Orlando loves the video game Portal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the way Tim Drake especially uses it, basically giving himself acceleration by falling and then reversing the door so he's shot up to the top of the tower is classic Portal puzzle solving. Um, it, it's, it's really fun, just the way everyone uses their doors, and Steve Orlando did a really great action sequence, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Luke... I, I thought it was cool. Uh, I think it would have been maybe a little bit more accepting if Midnighter was maybe in this series a little bit earlier. Yeah. It almost felt like he just got thrown in just to have the portal gate capability. Well, but, someone made a really interesting comment in that Midnighter was created as a alternate universe Batman. And this is a series where Batman has amnesia and isn't part of the series so it's like they they turn to batman at the end of the series only it's fake batman right so uh, that was a question i had do you think he was in the plan from the onset or did they get to the their spot in the story where like we we need a batman type character we need the team to rally around behind somebody. So do you think he was thrown in last minute or was it more like, yeah, partway through we're going to, he's always been there. Uh, Ian. Um, I think it's, uh, I was talking to Steve Orlando on Twitter back in November when he did his first two issues. And he said that Midnighter was coming. So it was clearly a part of the plan all along. Um, I don't know when they were originally going to integrate him, but I thought it worked okay. Yeah. Uh, I do think that it just sort of it's funny because of the fact that he is originally a Batman analog, and now he's playing the Batman role. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think about uh, his placement uh, in the series, Luke? I said it was. It worked out good. I mean, because I mean, lately, if you read, I've also been reading Grace. Mm-hmm. 
you know it's like they're almost inseparable. It's like Grayson's there, you know, Midnighter's not too far behind. So, I mean, it made sense him coming. I just would have said I probably would see if they could maybe came in, brought him in this a little bit earlier. But other than that, I mean, it made sense. I think it served its purpose. And so. uh, sandwich eating Cullen, um, <laughs> as I'm looking at him here. I felt like this has been another whole series. Uh, he's a wasted character. Uh, he was. He's only just the plot device that kind of gets Harper's, you know, juices flowing uh, to get active and eternal. And it's kind of sort of the same here that she's that she has a brother. She could very easily have just lost a parent or both of her parents and still had the same motivations um, without him. Um, other than to just kind of, I felt his conversations in this were really just kind of bland and dry and doesn't really do much to serve anything other than give somebody a midnighter to talk to. What do you guys think about Colin's appearance in the whole series and uh, in these last few issues, Ian? I feel like he got a better deal than he did in Eternal, where he yeah. spent the whole thing in a robot ex- robot coma. Yeah. Um, I. I actually thought he was fun. I thought it was a fun thing seeing him interact with Midnighter. Um, it gave Midnighter more characterization, and he, he came up with the whole plan of having um, in, in issue twenty-five. So yeah, I thought that was actually a bit more than just a placeholder. I thought he did a good job there. Uh, Luke, uh, he I thought it was good. I mean, what else can he really do? I mean, yeah. His his things with 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 Harper. I mean, take Harper away. I mean, what's he gonna do? Right. I felt like as somebody like a Stephanie Brown could have been written written into this oh, section, yeah. and yeah, she can she can fight. She could do all these other things. She could have been the one that has the plan in twenty five to to set everything you know emotionally on Midnighters end. So uh, I don't know. It's like Ian said. I. I did enjoy him. He is a lot better than being a robot for the whole, <laughs> whole entire series. But but at the same time, I was he was kind of the, one of the parts in the book. I was like, yeah, do we really have to bring Colin back in? But I, I understand it's it's the only family that mm-hmm. Colin has, and and it plays a part at the end of the story too to Harper's decision at the end of the book. But uh, we'll save that for twenty six. Um, Mother and Harper in the book what did you guys think of their relationship in this and kind of what mother is telling harper as we're going through the story because like early on she's got this nice bedroom uh mother has set her up very well obviously to kind of show her you know this is what i can offer you and then eventually leads her down the road of she has to make a decision and to be honest like as i was reading this i was kind of thinking Harper might take those steps with everything that her and Cullen have had to deal with this whole entire time, not only just coming into contact with Batman, but uh, for her wanting to become a superhero. uh, There was that little bit for me that I was like, I think I could see uh, Harper just saying, ah, screw it. So uh, what did you guys think about their interaction here in uh, 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 24, uh, Ian? Um, well, it felt very, 
it's kind of funny. The the interaction is very heavily drawn from, I'd say, two sources. You've got your Star Wars, your Emperor trying to tempt Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. and then you have your James Bond. And Mother's Lair is so James Bond. <laughs> um, but her, her dialogue is all this... Join the dark side. Strike Cassandra Kane down, and your journey to my side will be complete. <laughs> I totally got that as I was reading it. I hope I wasn't the only one. Uh, Luke. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think I, got, I can't talk that. <laughs> I don't mean to cut you off, Ian, but that, that yeah, Mother uh, is the Emperor. That's, that's really good, and uh, she actually has an Emperor fate, so... <laughs> Uh, it cracked me up. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what You know, it. something I noticed about the art in number 24 is um, Mother's got some serious facial scarring. Yeah. Um, which I hadn't noticed before, but I'm actually going back. Uh, so the art on this was done by Alvaro Marguez, um, who's a really great artist uh, on the series. And I'm looking at issue number eight and number seven, okay. where, where Dick meets Mother for the first time. And... Dick, act, uh, Martinez actually draws the facial scarring then too. So I guess hmm. I just never noticed it until now. And maybe that was a touch that he had early on that maybe some other uh, artist kind of let that slip a little bit or they just didn't make it as pronounced. But yeah, you're right. I hadn't noticed that uh, going back through. Um, I think it's kind of uh, cool too at, as she's you know giving her emperor speech to Harper that she hands uh, the mask back over of like okay now you're you're donning the robe or the cloak of the night or you're going to be one of my orphans like getting her getting her into her her hero mode as it were so she can then deconstruct that uh, when we get the reveal that she has you know Cassandra um, Dick uh, really doesn't have a whole lot going on here other than uh, meeting of uh, Azrael um, this, I, I didn't know what to make of this section in 24, um, of their, of their fight. I, I didn't feel like it, it did anything other than to slow Dick down. So, um, he's got a, a two more issue wait to, to get to the end to, uh, get to, uh, Harper and Cassandra and mother. Uh, what did you guys think of, uh, Dick coming up with the final Robin, uh, Azrael, uh, Ian? I enjoyed it, actually, because I was worried they were going to just have him be sort of maybe dead, maybe not dead after he teamed up with Tim and Jason. Mm -hmm. So seeing him come back was kind of nice. And I I thought it was a nice callback to the way his character arc was in the post-crisis continuity, where he was tormented by his abusive background, but he managed to overcome it and become more heroic, even though you know he wasn't a good Batman. He did become a hero. So him... Fighting with Dick was a nice callback to when he was Batman and killing people, and they were like, no, you can't be Batman. So that was nice, but also him eventually coming around and saying, no, I will be better. I will serve justice and not vengeance. I enjoyed that. I thought it was nice. I do. I mean, you're totally right. It is something to keep Dick occupied for two issues, but I thought that it worked okay. Yeah, I did like like what you had just said, that... It's not just Tim and Jason's influence that makes him have the aha moment, that it comes from the elder Robin, so to speak, that he realizes the things that he needs to do. Um, Luke, what were your thoughts on it? 
I was good because I was I was a little worried that that was something they kind of forgot to tie up, you know. Because I'm obviously earlier in the series, it was clear that Arizona was going to come back. So I mean, it, it was good that I got closed out. And, and a good point about you know the metaphorical meaning behind Astro, you know. So it, it was nice getting him back in there. Um, I can't let the these couple pages go by, or Ian will get mad at me. Um, seeing Stephanie Brown here, and uh, she gets to go to Tokyo and, and kick some butt here. Um, it's a it's a short little sequence, but uh, I like that they're they're giving Stephanie something to do. And uh, you know, at the time, we weren't entirely sure what what the future held for her after Batman and Robin Eternal. So I think Ian is probably over the moon that she's going to be featured in a regular series and. It's Detective Comics. So uh, I'll kick this over to you, Ian. What would you think of the little uh, Stephanie Brown uh, sequence here? Rather short, but uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. Me, excited about Stephanie Brown being in one of the two main Batman titles, <laughs> being directly trained by Batman himself? No, I'm not excited at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> not at all. No, I thought that it was really... I thought it was really awesome seeing uh, Midnighter giving her advice and her, you know, using all the training we've seen her get from Catwoman and then Batgirl and now Dick have all given her training and she's using it against these hyper competent orphan assassins and holding her own and that was really cool. Uh, what'd you think, Luke? Uh, I want to share your optimism, but I think she was just mishandled in this series I, th- I was really hoping for have more of a more vital role especially in the ending I I, I can see that too I, I was glad for the moments that we got of her I just wish there were more of them at, mm-hmm. at times I felt like oh we got to put Stephanie in here when she had something useful to do it worked really good but then I was like no no get, stay with that character give us more of that so it made just those little like at the beginning of the series I thought she yeah. was done done very very well but by the time we get to the end it's like oh yeah that's right we gotta put Stephanie in <laughs> like oh yeah we forgot about her back in Gotham uh oh <laughs> yeah so I mean as much as I love the character I, mm-hmm. I she could have been utilized so much more that's where I was like okay the, the Cullen part could have been you know Harper could have put Cullen in a safe house somewhere and we don't have to worry about him. And then that could have been four or five more pages of interaction where it's Stephanie and, and whomever. So um, uh, the final closing pages of this issue is that uh, Mother has Cassandra and uh, is kind of giving the joy, like Ian so beautifully put it, the strike strike her down and your journey towards the dark side will be complete uh, <laughs> moment. Uh, and uh, I like the the way they were drawn here with uh, Cassandra kind of hanging from the ceiling and uh, Mother handing the uh, knife little sword over to Harper, and she kind of has that look of like, uh, you might be right, she did kill my mother, Batman set this whole thing in motion and kind of squarely puts the blame on Batman. If it wasn't for Batman, your mother wouldn't have died. And because of that, you know, it's Cassandra, the person that you actually want to kill is right here. So I thought it, it made the, it, the issue end on this kind of up downbeat, if that makes any sense of like, I'm not entirely sure what she's going to do. And I kind of thought one of these two characters is not going to come out of this series alive. And um, it, it, it's going to be one of the one of the two of them. Uh, Ian, what were your thoughts? 
I actually really like the the sort of complexity we see in Mother's character here because she she seems to be like all warm and I want that's best for you, Harper, but she's pathologically unable of taking responsibility for her own actions. Batman didn't send someone to kill Harper's parents. Mother did. Mm-hmm. Cassandra didn't raise herself to be assassin. Mother raised David Kane, and David Kane raised her. So Mother is ultimately the one who's causing all this suffering, but she's blaming it on anyone else. So I thought that was a really good psychological portrait of you know someone who's just ultimately irresponsible. Uh, Luke, um, before I talk about this, because um, I'm lazy and I don't feel like taking the bag out of the box. Um, <laughs> Was Orphan's demise in this issue? No, no. that was, was that the back issue in, before that. Yeah, I think that was like two uh, issues ago. I'm doing 20, a, it. Was in 22 or is it 20? I'm doing. Yeah, it, it was in 22. I'm doing it was, a slip through. It was back when Cassandra and Harper first got to the base. Yeah. That's right. There. Okay, so mother slicing his throat. Okay, I just want to make sure we kind of bookmark that. Yep. Yes, good, important note. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. I, I did have to go back through and check that myself, and I had a couple yeah. questions. I'm thinking, I hope Ian took really good notes because I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, again, I mean, I think you pretty much hit on the all the good points there. I mean, the only thing I've thought you don't know at the time, but that conversation and what they're kind of getting at, it just really drags on. Yeah. Know? kind of bleeds into the next issue into the next issue so at this point it's like yeah okay i was reading the first time i was like hey yeah i got this 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 is this is good and then and what off so yeah uh so with that let's just kick it right over to 25 unless uh we have any uh, further comments on 24 guys let's do it all right batman and robin eternal number 25 i, I always hate saying this in in a weekly series I feel that it happened a couple times in this, and it happened a lot of times in Eternal. I feel like this is the same old, same old. This feels like the stretcher issue between uh, 24 and 26. Uh, we have the resolve in the fight uh, with Azrael, where Colin kind of chimes in to Dick, and we kind of uh, the plan gets through. Dick gets uh, Azrael to understand, and Azrael has the uh, "I'll be good" you know moment here. Uh, more dialogue uh, between. Harper and uh, trying to get through to Cass and, you know, Mother and the two of them. Um, and having um, a, a really cool Red Hood moment, which I was uh, wanting to ask you, Luke, what you thought of uh, Red Hood's dialogue, where he finally gets to uh, shoot somebody and says, uh, uh, he, that's kind of like how he always remembered it. You know, he kind of missed <laughs> missed that, uh, that action. So... Um, how did you guys think the beginning of this uh, particular issue uh, opened up, uh, Ian? I think there is a definite sense that the story arc for each writer, at least in... No, I would say the story arc for each writer all the way back to issue number two. Each writer was given a certain number of plot beats, and I don't think there were enough plot beats for two issues. They weren't quite enough... They were a little too many for one whole issue, so it was like Every writer had one and a half issues that they stretched into two full issues. Um, but honestly, I don't mind that much because I feel like we would have lost moments like 
Azrael and Dick's fight and mm. Stephanie Brown's moments of heroism and Cullen's moment. And even though all of those are perhaps a bit delaying, I enjoyed each of them because I like all these characters. I mean, this is the Bat Family book at this time. There really isn't any other book that's bringing the Bat Family together. So seeing everyone working together and having everyone having their moments, I think is worth stretching out a bit. Uh, what did you think, Luke? I mean, good points. I mean, I think it's kind of evident. We were talking about this before we came in. It's just like what you talked about is like they're getting the same plot beats from maybe like one and a half, but they're stretching into two. It's evident just by looking at the splash, the splash page. It's they're still on splash page. <laughs> yeah. Toronto, we're still there. Japan, we're still there. Oh man, did anyone notice in the eight-page preview that Jason Todd was swimming and there was a school bus sinking in the water, but that never happened in these final issues? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that was something I kept going back to, and I'm like, what, did I miss it? So you know, have 26 books. I'm like, it it should be somewhere. So I'm glad that I wasn't the only one to uh, <laughs> to notice that. Thought, well, maybe maybe I looked at that panel wrong. That's kind of funny. No, I think that's just a an unused plot thread. Yeah, um, I do like here that all the portals. Um, do all end up working kind of in Midnighter's favor as each of them are throwing the like orphan elite assassins or whatever back through the portals. There sits their stands Midnighter and is like, well, hello there. And then we get the giant splash page of him going, finally, I get to get out of this computer chair and I get to kick some ass. <laughs> that was a great little sequence, especially visually. Like the artists for this did a great job of setting up this ring of doors, and then Midnight are just kicking every single one of them in the teeth. Uh, and I like the use of the doors uh, for Stephanie in here too, which is kind of uh, what Dick ended up doing. Is she's kind of getting overtaken, and uh, she's able to use the door to launch herself uh, to another safe location. Uh, so they can, you know, start taking down the uh, TV antennas. So I thought that was uh, the door idea. I I thought was a really cool thing. At first, I thought it was going to be this cheesy little thing, like oh, that's how we're doing it. And uh, I thought for the most part they were utilized, you know, really really well as they're you know knocking down all the uh, transmitter towers. Um, the uh, gas is uh, released, and it <laughs> it doesn't have. I kind of wished. You know, they would have, I can't believe I'm saying this, stretched out a little bit. So as the children are, you know, getting ready to attack and the uh, fear gas and the fear toxin is released throughout the city, I kind of wish we were seeing a little bit of the nightmare effect uh, on the kids. It's kind of like the gas is, is dispersed and then the kids are, yay, we're free. And, you know, Collins, you know, happy about it. So um, I felt it was a little anticlimactic in that that it's just pretty much gas done out um you know i know we've got to get through 26 and those story points there but i would have liked a little bit more and maybe some of the team going back down to the ground and helping console the kids and you know reuniting them with parents and that type of stuff maybe that's the the cheesy sap in me a little bit but i i wanted a little bit more of that uh ian what were your your thoughts on that sequence I thought it was okay. I think, paradoxically, even though there's this, these two issues might feel a bit stretched, there are some moments that seem a bit missing. Like, they do see the children walk out and be like, where's my parents? But we don't see them reunited. And they're, I mean, 
in Tokyo, uh, those kids murdered some spiral agents. So, yeah. And I, I don't think that was the only people who died in the attack. So there's going to be some serious need for therapy going on. <laughs> right. Uh, Luke? Uh, the only thing I really had an issue with the whole portal thing, and, and maybe this is just me reading too much into it, it's, it's as if that uh, guys like Damien and and Jason and whatnot couldn't handle these these kids. Yeah, and they needed Midnighter to finish the job. It's just kind of downplaying them a little bit. But overall, again, I, I dig the concept. It was fun. It was a good. If I say this, I mean it's in a positive way. It was a good plot device to kind of bring everything together. But that said, it just. I don't really think it was. Play. I don't think it was really that. Damien and Jason and all the others couldn't handle an orphan, but they were handling an orphan plus hundreds of children, and they couldn't really hurt the children, but the orphans were, you know, trying to kill them. So I think it wasn't just that uh, they couldn't handle it, but that there was a problem in simply accomplishing their goal of destroying the antennas. So Midnighter was not an insult to their fighting, but more taking something off their plate so they could focus on what needed to get done. Yeah, I see I see both parts of that. And there are times I look at it and going in their own books and their own stories they're very capable of handling a fight themselves, but in a group setting you kind of look at this character and go, oh, "Okay, this is going to be the character that's going to have to save the hero's butt because uh you know, Red Hood can't possibly fight all these guys when, in his in his own book, he's beaten twice as many because he's the main star of it. But in this setting, it's like, oh, nope, you can't handle six guys, so we, we've got to have somebody else. So sometimes I kind of go back and forth on that. It's kind of like, no, no, we want this person to be the one that has to save, you know. Uh, and a couple times, you know, where Harper was always getting the upper hand on Tim, having to save Tim's butt all the time. And I was like, no, that should be working the other way around. Harper should not be able to outfight Tim or outthink Tim or, you know, whatever the case would be in the previous Eternal. So I see both of those, and I'm kind of split right down the middle. Um, I like the uh, closing sequence here of the things that Mother is telling uh, Harper, you know, Bruce Wayne, uh, slaves' lives in uh, child's uh, leather costumes. I save Earth, slave, save. Uh, I save generations. We're all victim to short-term solutions. That is Batman, and now his uh, brood fight for you know, relevancy and all that type of stuff. I like how she's just picking and slowly chipping away at Harper, uh, trying to bait her into killing. Uh, Cass and uh, I like you know Dick kind of showing up and uh, saying you know I think that's you know my job at the end. Uh, what do you guys think about Dick finally uh, showing up and uh, Mother's uh, last conversation with? Uh, well, I shouldn't say last, but last conversation for this particular uh, issue. Ian, I, I liked it. I think it was a continuation of what I was saying before about Mother being unable to take responsibility for her own actions. But I also liked that. She has a ostensibly good goal of making the world a better place. And I really appreciate that they're really bringing out the idea of Batman and Robin and a villain who explicitly is a dark copy of Batman and Robin. Instead of taking children who have suffered trauma, not because Bruce created the trauma, 
but because he saw it and because he's compassionate, he brought them in and helped them to heal. She creates the trauma <laughs> and then makes them into monsters. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a great parallel. Really brings out the meaning of Batman and Robin. And just from the quick, you know, the not the quick read, but reading it, it kind of sounds like things that Batman would say. Like you said, in a twisted way, but in some aspects, you kind of read it and go, yeah, that that kind of sounds like Bruce. Uh, what'd you think, Luke? As I was reading it, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm negative on the book. I'm not. It just when I was reading, I was like really into the conversation between Mother and and Bluebird, and like Dick showed up. I was just like, oh, I kind of just like kind of took all the way the the attention from where I think the crux of the whole point of the issue was. Yeah, he just kind of just like showed up. I was like, no, this is something I for me. Or, I, I don't know. Yeah, I I wanted to to Harper to have have the moment i mean she gets it in 26 but um it's underhanded is the wrong word she makes it look like she's going to rather than you know dropping the sword and be willing to stand and and face mother and not have to have dick kind of come around the corner and for her to then go oh yeah yeah i'm not going to you know i kind of got that that feel from it um any final thoughts on 25 guys before we go into our final book i did like the cover it had like that end game-esque little one panel you know joker mm-hmm. and batman sitting together in a pool of blood it has the heart and this use the same thing with the with the bat symbol i i enjoyed that um i did think this cover was gonna kind of allude to to something in here. Remember when the solicitations came out and we saw the cover? I think we even talked about it on a previous episode of uh, even though most uh, some of the covers didn't have anything to do with the issue, most of them were kind of kind of on point and I was thinking when this came out, I wonder if this is like a fear toxin state that she would be in that mother is making her think that she's killed them or done something like that. So I was really intrigued by this cover and was really kind of hoping it was going to play into the story somewhere rather than it just being a nice cover. It was a great cover to look at, but I was disappointed that the cover didn't go anywhere. And I, I should know better if I read comics long enough to know <laughs> a cover is just a cover, but I, this was one I was wanting to see, you know, have a story beat somewhere. Uh, your thoughts on the cover, Ian? Well, the covers, I looked at the dates. All the covers, including the cover for 26, were drawn in 2015. Um, I think probably before the scripts were finished, uh, just because of the way a weekly comic works. Mm-hmm. So... I think they gave the cover artist a brief, just like a paragraph of what's going on, and they made did their best. But, I mean, we'll talk about this for the cover for 26, too. It's, the size of the characters does not match the size of the characters' plot line. Right. Um, since you just brought it up, we'll go into 26. Tony Daniels making his final appearance. Uh, and now in- we know why he's <laughs> not doing this issue, right? Yeah. Justice League, guys. Uh, I don't want to go into a rebirth tangent, but I'm going to kind of go to. I was enjoying Jason Fabok so much on the Justice League title. Um, I mean, it's cool to see Tony Daniels in it, but uh, Fabok hasn't announced his next gig yet. Uh, some people thinking it could be Shazam, it could be you know any a number of things. 
Oh, you know what Faybach was doing before he did Justice League? Tech. Tech. Uh, no. No. He was on Batman Eternal. Oh, yeah. So it's the oh, second yeah, time Justice League has stolen the Eternal artist. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we all said it. I would have loved to have seen Tony Daniels draw this. Um, yes, yes. This, I, I think, to me, I really think it needed that. Um, and it, we were kind of, it, he was led as the lead you know, penciler in the series. And I think there have been other people that have had more pencil time than Tony did. And yes, granted, in fact, the guy who did who did part of this issue had the most pencils yes. in the series. And I'm I was glad to see him on the book. I mean, we've got a, a long list of uh, names here, but I do like uh, Ian was saying the size and proportion of the people on the cover do not denote their story plot. Uh, when the this was solicited, seeing uh, Cassandra and Tim um, almost drawn ghostly. Um, my heart sank. I was like, oh, are we going to lose Tim? You know, or are we going to lose Cassandra? I, I kind of thought it's going to be Harper, Cassandra. We're, we're, we're going to lose somebody in this. And then seeing Tim there, I was like, cool. Tim's got front and center on the book. Oh, wait a minute. That may not be a good thing. Um, and then noticing in the bottom uh, right-hand corner of the book, we see Red Hood, and he's drawn back in his DCYOU costume that he hasn't been in in this series since oh, like that fishing vest <laughs> since issue five. So uh, like Ian said, this cover was probably done in 2015. Like, okay, we need you to do the end of the cover here. Here's all the characters we want to have on it. And he probably just looked at the costume that Red Hood. And we've said before, Red Hood has changed costumes like four times <laughs> in, in this series. Week to week, I tell yeah. you, week to week. Week to week, and I would argue at some point, page to page, or at least, you know, uh, the beginning. In those of- issues where there were three artists, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, 26. Um, an issue that I thought was just going to take forever to get here, but uh, we're finally here at the moment, and we get a uh, backstory, um, our only flashback out of these last three issues. And I've, I've gotten uh, a question, a thought about the uh uh, lack of flashbacks with Batman and Dick Grayson Robin when we get to uh, the end of the book. Uh, I thought this was a nice uh, little beat. It paints um, her mother in a much better light than it was initially. Um, that I kind of thought, oh, Harper's parents were, you know, kind of scumbags and not that they deserve to die, but, you know, it's kind of like, well, they were kind of thugs. Um, yeah, very Jason Todd. Yeah. And I- I'm glad that. We don't see that here um, from her mother, that she she did have at least a positive role model. It's a mother that realized she's made some mistakes and she has some has some things that she needs to kind of correct and kind of points the finger at Harper's father, but doesn't do it in a way of like, well, your, your father's the one that's the problem here. She is still putting the blame on her and telling her that, you know, she's always going to be there for her. So I thought it was a, a really nice way to open up uh, the series, or the series, to close the series and open up this issue. What you guys think of um, Harper's mother's, uh, not origin story, but just a look into her life when she was a kid? Uh, Ian? I thought it was really nice. Um, it gave us that theme again. You know, Derek was talking about uh, how it's all about the the themes this time rather than the mystery. And I liked sort of getting back to that parallel time storytelling structure for this last issue and giving us 
a restatement of the theme just in case we missed it. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think, Luke? Uh, I really enjoy this is where I think Tynan kind of gets somewhat of a bad rap because he can write stuff like this well. It, it, he does have the potential to do it, and he really did that really well in here. I mean, it really does. I mean, you, you're right. I mean, it hits the whole theme thing, but it gives Harper another sense because before that we really didn't get the whole thing. Like I just assumed both of her parents were dirtbags, but then you realize there's more of a humanity to it with, with her mother actually being a good person, a hardworking, sacrificing person. So you can kind of see where Harper kind of came from. You know, she wasn't just out of you know tragedy, or whatever. She had a good person to look up to. That's kind of like her role model for Batman via her mother. You, you see the positive influences. It kind of makes Harper, I mean, the character that she is. So it was good to see that kind of flush out and credit the the time for doing that. And it gives some weight to her conflict with mother, the villain in the book, that she can parallels the wrong word. She can look at the opposite side of what her real mother meant to her and the the lessons and things that she was trying to teach her. And as much as that Batman may have inspired uh, Harper to become a superhero, I think the good person that Harper turns out to be is brought on by her mother. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, Batman did not treat Harper well. No. Early. I mean, like, at issue 12, was it issue 12 where he basically, like, sucker punched her in the face? Yeah. yeah. I can't remember who was 12 or 18, but he was yeah. he was definitely kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah. D-bag Batman. <laughs> uh, so, we've got the, uh, the big moment here between uh, Harper and uh, Mother and what she's going to do with Cassandra, and we have uh, having Dick... She is a Jedi, like her father before <laughs> <Yes>. her. <laughs> uh, that's where she just needs to throw the sword. And uh, it, it seems a little funny, but it I kind of see it more in a movie where you have all this, you know, pent-up anger and aggression going on between Mother and Harper. Then we have this nice little calm-before-the-storm moment where uh, Harper kneels down and... Uh, Cassandra has that moment of like just just do it just kill me I killed your mother she feels very bad for what she has done and has that feeling that she she deserves to die uh, for this and uh, Cassandra pulls the you know bait and switch on mother and uh, decides she's going for the uh, control box on the other side of the wall so I thought that was really kind of cool that uh, Harper you know obviously comes around to her senses which you know Again, you read comics long enough. The heroes, the heroes should really come through, and I think Tynan wrote uh, wrote this very well for Harper, and uh, lets her lets her have her moment here, and we can you know get uh, Cassandra around in the action. Uh, what'd you think of? Uh, Har- I'll tie this into the fight too with uh, Mother. That uh, Harper is just one pissed off chick uh, towards the tail end of this uh, fight here, um, and then. Uh, Cassandra uh, making a sacrifice to uh, save her best friend from being shot. So what did you think of that that whole sequence uh, from uh, the fight and then uh, Cassandra uh, jumping in and taking one uh, for Harper? Uh, Ian? I thought it was a really nice resolution. It, it resolved that sort of 
ambiguity because back in issue 22 when they were flying on the plane and Cassandra's like trying to apologize, trying to make things right because she knows that Harper knows she killed her mother now. And Harper was just so angry and despairing. And Cass said that she would never let something happen to Harper there. And here's the payoff for that. She takes a bullet. Admittedly, she takes a bullet just like in the side of the arm, so it's like not super deep, but she she saves Harper in the same way that Harper has sort of allowed her to come back to humanity. Uh, Luke. I'm sorry, I couldn't help but chuckle a little bit. It was like when she throws the um, her thing and then destroys the computer, and then it's like, he goes, computer is back online, and then they do it again, and it's like, computer right back up online. It's like, it's like the, like the computer system had like an inf- like infinite life. System. It was kind of, ch- I laughed a little bit. Just that. I was like, what? Um, but James yeah, Bond, I, I'm telling you. I, I got a, what are you doing, Dave? <laughs> Uh, but um, it was good. I, mean, I did like that, though. I mean, it's good to see. I mean, be cast kind of like laying down, basically, whether or not she knew what Bluebird was going to do. Basically, I mean, really, it, it kind of, it really kind of shadowed, or not really shadowed, highlighted that thing where she really has remorse for what she did. She knew it was it was wrong, and it's really highlighted here to the point where she's like, "Just go ahead and kill me." It's like. She so remorseful when you felt that, and then obviously, like you said, I mean, granted, it's just a shot to the arm, but just another sign of how remorseful she was. She's willing to take a bullet for her friend. Mm-hmm. You know, something she did was horrible, but it's still it shows the remorse for her. I liked a lot. Uh, I like that Azriel is the one, you know, as much as the computer startup shut down, startup shut down, uh, that it's uh, Jean Paul that gets to take it out so the rest of the team can finally uh, get in and do their thing against Mother. And uh, from a total geek out moment, seeing Azrael's flame swords come out of his gauntlet like they did in the Nightfall series and the Sword of Azrael, I thought was really cool. It's something that Terrence and I had talked about on uh, the Drake podcast. That that was a cool part of Azrael's costume is the flame swords coming out of the gauntlet as opposed to a real sword. So that was really cool. Um, to see that uh, drawn in this uh, particular issue. So it'll be kind of cool if uh, when Terrence chimes in, if uh, he picked up on that as well. Uh, of course, the whole Bat family um, and then some arrive in here. And I mean, it's kind of cool to see, like we've talked about it before, you know, we see Talon and Catwoman and Batgirl and uh, Black Canary. Uh, Batgirl has been sparse in this. I think she's only had like two issues here, but it was cool to see the whole team together. Uh, fighting and even uh, I had a chuckle here and I'm kind of waiting to hear uh, Ian's take on it where you know spoiler shows up and uh, she brought one of Harper's guns here and she's I brought the biggest and the shockiest one that I could carry that that made me chuckle and it, it sounded something like Stephanie would say like I don't know what this thing is but I know it's big and it shocks people so here you go I know you liked it and it was cool to see um, Cassandra Bluebird and a spoiler standing there and I was looking at that image going that's a series right there I, I would buy a, a series of comic or a story of comics with those three uh, girls on it and I'm like a, a new birds of prey that's what I was yeah. kind of hoping for I uh, thought for sure that was going to be the bird, birds of prey team that's, I thought for sure that was going to be it same here uh, what did you guys think about that uh, sequence uh, Ian 
I mean, anything that has Stephanie Brown kicking butt, I am on board with. So I thought that was great. I also love the Star Wars reference where Harper says, I love you. And then um, <laughs> Stephanie says in classic Han Solo fashion, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, on Tumblr, we've been the fans of the series and I have been talking for for months about how this should be the new Birds of Prey. Now, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think that Stephanie and Cassandra could use more training. I think that is really good that they've come up with this idea of a detective comics where it's like Gotham boot camp. But I also think that they could have done a, a Birds of Prey with, with Barbara Gordon giving them that training. Yeah, totally, as being the mentor. Uh, Luke, what were your thoughts on the sequence here? Uh, we bring... Can we touch on the orphan part? Yes. I, I, okay. It, it was fitting that we just had this issue right before Easter because I just saw the, the greatest resurrection ever in comics because I thought for sure Orphan was dead. Like he had like, his throat split and he went down that hole by mother. Like I wrote him off as like being dead and gone. And then when he shows up, I was like, what? No, no, time out. I look back. I was like, what, what, what happened? Am I the only one that kind of like scratched right at that oh no I was no, no. I was confused too but he does have sort of like a bandage around his throat if you look and he goes, he goes uh, uh, mother uh, uh. yeah like, uh, you, you sever my artery but uh, uh, I got a cough Make so sure. what issue we said that was 22 and I'm flipping through uh, the issue here real quick bear with me does he not get kicked what appears to be in outer space yeah no, like, no, I guess he's like, in like a pool or something okay uh, I guess it's it's a map of the world. So I thought he was like in a plane, like they were like in a plane. And that's they, that's what I thought. They were in a plane, a jet, something. They were in a plane, but then they landed. So this was in the base itself. All right. I may give you the James Bond get out of jail <laughs> free card on that one, but I mean, yeah, because there's like there's uh, suspension of disbelief, and then there's like a miracle. We witnessed a miracle on paper. <laughs> Well, maybe they had some of that that uh, stuff that Bruce Wayne and the Joker fell into at the end of it. Dionysium. Dionysium. Yeah, Dionysium. Yeah. Instead of giving us some Robitussin, give him some, uh, some Dionysium for his puff. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Delson. <laughs> uh, I thought it was cool to see uh, the Robins together. Tim uh, throws Dick a sword. I thought that was pretty cool. And seeing all of them there together, I thought it was pretty cool. And then Mother, you know very efficiently takes all of them down, takes Damien down, takes Tim, takes uh, Red Hood down, and then obviously leaves it up to uh, Grayson. Um, and I says, you don't understand Batman, and you don't understand Robin. Uh, Dick telling her that she she never understood Batman and Robin. And the things that we've touched on this whole entire series, that um, as much as Mother was trying to align herself like I'm just doing the same method Batman is doing I'm I'm trying to do it in a more pure fashion like Ian kept saying at no at no point is mother owning or taking any of the blame in this at all even to her dying breath here in the next couple pages she is still <laughs> fittingly she's going down with the ship and uh, so is David and seeing uh, Cassandra just can take no more and is going to you know, leap across the fiery chasm and take her out 
and thinking, I thought this is this was going to be the moment for Cassandra. She was going to go down. She was going to take Mother down, and she was going to go here. But it's not the cane that's going to die that we assumed. And like uh, Luke said, we have a resurrection and a death all in one. one pa- Actually, we have a death, a resurrection. We have a resurrection, a death, and another death uh, in the sequence um, of, you know, like I said, the Emperor getting thrown into the pit from Darth Vader, which was really kind of... We've already had one Star Wars reference here, and I really kind of thought it was was that way here. And seeing, you know, uh, Cassandra, you know, losing her father, you know, yet again. So uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, how did you... What did you guys think of how Mother was eventually, and I'm using air quotes here, defeated? You know, we don't know if we will see her again. But uh, the end of the battle here, what did you guys think about this, uh, Ian? I honestly thought that turning Mother into yet another fighting person was a little unnecessary. I felt that whole fight sequence could have been cut out. And she's, I mean, this is what? Was her origin in, oh, it was in the Cold War. But that still makes her like 60 or 70. And I just am not buying that she's having any luck against super assassin child Damien and 18, 16, 18 and 21 year old Dick, Tim and Jason. Yeah. Uh, Luke. Yeah, that's a good point. I think what made mother such a good character was that she was realistic. I mean, what made her evil wasn't, wasn't that she had, she's stronger. She had skills. She's just a bad person. You know, she just, a human trafficker who did mind frame wiping. I mean, that's what made her her. So when you introduce this thing all now, all of a sudden she's like a ninja. It just felt kind of foreign. It just, I don't know. It just felt that was a good point. It's, I don't think it was really necessary for all of a sudden she's a, you know, she's ninja guy and you know, she's, <laughs> she's just a bad person. Yeah, I, I would have been okay with David coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and him doing the fighting here and and not mother that you know you pit father and daughter against each other and, and that really is I mean we kind of got that through the series but this would have been I think the ultimate resolution to that mm-hmm. so, maybe even you know he takes out mother and then right you know there's that battle with Cass and Orphan yeah, you still have Mother not being super, super ninja. He mm-hmm. takes her out, and then, you know, you still have the fall and, and all that stuff. So uh, that was has been the only part about Mother that I really haven't liked, that, oh, okay, now she's putting on her mech suit, and now all of a sudden <laughs> she can fight and, you know, all that type of stuff. So I, I I didn't enjoy that as much, and that's where I kind of thought it, it really – I was hoping the series wasn't going to go. This is where it kind of, not plateaued, but it went off the rail just a little bit, that we've got to have the big baddie now all of a sudden get a power set that she hasn't had uh, previously. Uh, So this story ends up winding down here towards the very end. We get to everybody getting out of the burning building and uh, Tim having to pull Dick away uh, and saying, you know, it's over, Dick. We've got to get out of here as the... uh, you know, Ice Palace comes crashing down. We get uh, Harper and Cass, or Harper and Cass, excuse me, Harper and Cullen reunited again, and uh, Cassandra having that moment of like, well, good, everybody's everybody's won, everybody's alive, but I'm on the outside, and um, Stephanie 
pulls uh, everybody back over that we're all family and you've got to get on this hug too so that was kind of a cool moment and uh damien kind of having a <laughs> a little uh almost a little pissing match here which i i I kind of hoped that Damien was going to have a little bit more of a resolve in this, but I, I get it's Damien. He's got to be the one that has a little smart aleck comment here, and Dick kind of pulls everything together and um, with all the Robins. And uh, uh, Dick saying, you know, we're Robins, and our work and our work isn't close to being finished. So this is where I was kind of saying, you know, I wonder where all of this fits in so the We Are Robin War would fit right into this place right here, if I'm if I'm correct in saying that. It says, after the events of uh, Batman 50 and Robin War. So which ends up coming first? We have Robin War and then Batman 50 and then these final pages. Am I correct in saying that? I think that's totally right. I think I honestly don't know why they even mentioned Robin Moore though. Yeah. Yeah. Because it didn't really change anything for this series. No. It's like it's almost like for right now, either they totally forgot that Robin Moore really didn't really end, or they're just waiting for this whole thing with Nightwing because yeah, it's it feels so foreign just the way Robin Moore ended. Yeah. The status quo is now. It's. I don't know. So our final few uh, pages here are Harper re- uh, visiting her mother's grave. And uh, I had said, boy, I would you'd think Batman would make an appearance in this book. And I, some people on this podcast said I was kind of crazy that Batman won't appear. Well, this is, I was wrong. This is my right. nan, nana, boo-boo. I told you. <laughs> I mean... It, with it being Batman and Robin, I was really hoping that, you know, Batman, he opened the series, he should close the series, and um, I think it, it was a good way to bring uh, Batman back in, reunite him with Harper, and reunite him with the Robins towards the end, sporting his brand new costume, which I want to get into uh, in just a little bit here. Um, and Harper basically saying that uh, she's, you know, learned a lot through this whole point, that um, she has her own real mother to thank, and that you know Batman really couldn't stop her if you know he, he tried. But that she's going to hang up the Bluebird costume and uh, finish some schooling, and then kind of see where things go from there. So, uh, what'd you guys think of Harper's uh, decision? Did you expect that at all, or is just kind of a, a means to an end at the moment, uh, Ian? I I mean, the rebirth announcements sort of spoiled the fact that. Um, we knew that Harper wasn't part of any announced rebirth thing. So I was actually really afraid that Harper was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of pleased that they decided to have her get some schooling and maybe see the world before committing her life to this war. So I thought that was nice. Luke? I mean, I like how they tied in with the theme. You know what I mean? It's, you don't let anyone forge a path for you you forge your own path do what you want to do and that's what she wants to do and that's great um so i like that how kind of tied in with the theme of it but oh then all in all if you look over what the past year how much of a press they were trying to give harper you know what i mean from eternal mm-hmm. to the very tale of batman to this it's like they were trying to really like prop up harper and then now it's just like she just kind of fading off into the sunset for right now so I was a little disappointed to, to kind of see that you know, she wasn't going to get any more of a prominent role 
but I did like how the door is left wide open, and she's gonna come back at some point. But yeah. we'll see. Uh, getting to see uh, Cassandra's fate here, or as I guess we should call her now, Orphan. Orphan. Um, what do you guys think? Um, I was really hoping she was going to be a, you know, be part of the Bat family and maybe mold herself after Batman and go with Black Bat. I think that's what a lot of people were hoping for. So, what do you think of Harper's new, um, new identity here? Her new um, call sign, as it were, Ian. I am on the fence because I, I like the idea of it being. You know, sort of taking something evil and turning it to good. But Orphan, I was hoping for something like Blackbird or Black Bat or even just not having an identity at all and just being Cassandra Cain because, like, no one knows who that is. So it's not that she has to hide anything. Right. Uh, Luke? Uh, I was a little. Man, I, I don't know why I'm sounding so down. Because, again, it's not that this stuff wasn't bad. But I just think some of the ones just happens to be the areas where I just kind of scratched my head on it. It's that, I mean, Dave Kane was such a horrible dad. So horrible. And all he had to say was one thing, and all of a sudden, it's implied that Cass became a lot more remorseful toward him. It's like, he said, you deserve better. And that's all it really was done. And that if you want to quote-unquote call it the sacrifice that he made, yeah. Does that negate all the years of bad parenting that he did? Where she just kind of gives him a fresh slate? I, I don't know. It's, I hate to say it realistically. Well, it's, I, I would think no one would go, oh, my dad was a hero. Like, eh, I don't know. I think it's very Star Wars in the same way that Mother's the Emperor. Here we have David Kane as. Uh, Darth Vader, and I don't think you could really realistically have Darth Vader come back from what he's done. Uh, but he can, in his final act, achieve a certain measure of repentance, even if it's not rehabilitation. Yeah. I I could see her maybe wanting to honors even loose, like, like Luke was saying. To, to do all that horrible stuff to her and say, well, I'm going to honor my father by taking his name, it, that just seems like that is further punishing herself of like all these evil and twisted and nasty things my father done to me. I'm going to take his, his call sign or his moniker as my own. And granted, she's going to try and turn it into uh, a, a positive, something that he couldn't do. So maybe that's how she's... Uh, resigning to it. I know some people that have kind of been on you know forums and stuff where we're hoping for a black bat or black bird, like you know we were saying. But uh, you know, I'd like to see you know how it's going to pan out. Maybe we'll find out more in the Detective Comics run. Yeah, because which correct me if I'm wrong. Have we saw the first that uh that first cover for Detective? Doesn't she look like she's wearing the black black bat? bat. Yeah, she's got yeah. a full uh, cowl on. So uh-huh. maybe that'll change somehow. Uh, the show grow into that uh, black bat name, but eh, we'll we'll find out here in a, a couple months. And then uh, the issue ends where I kind of thought it would with uh, Batman getting together with the Robins and they're all having their moments here, and uh, Damien swinging in and it's like I thought I told you to keep watch, Grayson, but uh, we kind of get the resolve here between uh, Dick and Bruce 
of you know kind of their their history together his time as robin his time as grayson and kind of you know what's coming around the corner for all of them um this is kind of like the you know movie ending sequence and i you know that may sound cheesy but it made me smile this sounds like a job for batman and robin which robin all of them and getting the splash page of uh, batman grayson red robin robin and red hood uh, the end so uh, six and a half months down the road here we are to issue 26 uh, what were your guys's uh, final thoughts on the series as a whole um, is it better than eternal and where does this story uh, set for you guys if you buy the trades or you pull these issues out later to read them is this something that you'll go back to um what is this you know what are your final thoughts here so let's uh, kick it over to ian i think that i would actually rate this series and the original batman eternal the same um and that's four out of five uh, i think it was a good series um i like some things about it better uh i didn't like some things about it as much um I was a bit let down by the fact that they needed um, one, two, three, four different artists for this. Um, I really like Carlo Pagulayan's art. Um, he did so. Scott Eden did the the prologue and the epilogue, and then Carlo Pagulayan did the first ten to twelve pages of the story, and then Igor Vitorino did the rest of the story, and then. Uh, Geraldo Borges did two pages uh, and I just didn't like Vitorino's inks uh, I mean pencils very much and I really like Pagulayan so I was, I was just pretty disappointed I mean even beside the fact that we're disappointed that Tony Daniel didn't do it I thought Pagulayan could have been a great final penciler sort of like Eduardo Pansico was a great penciler for the final issue of Eternal Yeah, but they just it felt like they ran out of time here or something I, I don't know what but Pagulayan didn't do nearly as much as I'd hoped and I think the end result was a little disappointing in terms of art which I was hoping to give this either a 4.5 or 5 out of 5 for the final issue but I ended up giving it a 4 just because it's got strong writing and decent art but the art didn't blow me away like I was hoping gotcha Luke I love the whole Eternal Weekly series thing it's it's just something about it it's like every week you know you're gonna get a, another story and i love that and that's probably like the, the thing i enjoy the most of both of these titles so far so i'm gonna be a little debbie downer maybe shed a tear a little bit on wednesday when there's no <laughs> no eternal pump again but yeah uh, i'm there that, with you Lee. <laughs> uh, that's i already got the first trade and i'll get the other one i'll, I'll double dip on it and i'm definitely gonna read it again uh, how would I compare it to the other one? I don't think I don't think you can. Um, I think they're just totally two totally different stories, uh, and that one's definitely a Batman thing, and this one is just a study of Robins. And if you want a Robin story, this is just totally for you. This is a dissertation on the character of Robin, whatever variation there are. It's that's what's so cool about it. Um, I think structurally this was better than the first one because I think right around Christmas time last year there was that stretch about 12 issues where it was obvious they were like oh man we're 
way too ahead of schedule. We we need to kind of slow this down a little bit. <laughs> so I think they really hit it on the head. This was a I think maybe well maybe not perfect. I think this was a, a right about the right amount of issues it probably could have done. Maybe shave off maybe two issues. So I thought the pacing was good throughout. There was only really two dud issues. That was the handle for me the Orlando ones early on. But uh, it, there hasn't been an issue where I was like, man, this this stinks. So overall, it was really great. It was fun. It had its moments, ups and downs. It was a good study of the Robin character, which uh, I think for this this type of book was long overdue, in my opinion. This this type of you know study of a character for a Robin is long overdue. So. Uh, my final thoughts is about right where everybody is. I think this is, I really want to give it a four and a half. And I, I think the pacing was a lot better. It was more concise. Again, I agree with Luke. I think some, uh, trimming down a little bit could have been done. Um, an issue, maybe two or three issues. Uh, but for the most part, I, I felt like the story, uh, just kind of slowly just kept going on a nice uptick. And, uh, with anything that's a longer story arc, there are, is going to be a little bit of, you know, maybe little sidesteps that maybe they, they took the story just for the sake of time where they got to stretch out a plot point just a little bit more. But I felt like Batman and Robin Eternal was more focused. And like Luke said, Christmas time of last year, I think that's where everybody really started going, what? are we doing in this series and it felt like it was just ring around the rosy for you know about the next five or six issues at that point and i don't feel like we ever really circled the wagons very much in it we may have kind of did a half circle here or there um but being a big robin fan i think luke hit the nail right on the head as a case study of why does batman need a robin or why did batman take on a partner you can look at all of the characters in this and see the good reasons that he chose who he chose and the bad reasons in of what mother was doing to try and show batman how wrong he was and by the end of the story it only showed how right Batman was and the choices that not that Batman made, but as the whole story said, it let it showed the motivations for all these characters and each one of the Robins and Bluebirds and Orphans and spoilers made the choices for themselves and it was through the guidance of Batman that further enhanced their choices to make good choices. Um, I, I couldn't be happier with the series in there. There is that part of me too that's going to be a little, a little sad this coming Wednesday to not have you know that weekly series there. Um, and kind of closing here, um, you know, we're getting into rebirth here in June, so it may not be a weekly series, but we're getting a bi-month or bi-weekly series basically. Uh, uh, twice a month, we will get Detective Comics that will have a lot of these same characters in it. We'll have Batman and uh, Batwoman kind of leading the team of of the younger uh, members from this being, uh, first of all, Tim Drake in his classic Robin costume, uh, sporting now a double R on his outfit, which I think is kind of cool. Part of me did want the oval to have the red Robin logo in it with a bird in it. I thought it would have been kind of cool. Uh, but seeing that and then seeing Spoiler, um, seeing Cassandra, I'm assuming she's probably still going to be called Orphan 
and uh, the the head scratcher in that is Clayface in the background. So I really kind of hope that uh, with uh, Tynan writing that, that he takes some of these ideas and the the end result of these uh, characters and kind of carries that over into uh, Detective Comics. So it'll kind of feel like hopefully a continuation of this series. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to, and I think I'm going to be on a few more books in Rebirth. Um, are you guys excited about what's coming up for DC Comics? Uh, you know, What books are you looking forward to, and are you guys going to be reading uh, Detective? Uh, Ian? I will absolutely be reading Detective. <laughs> Spoiler is my favorite DC Comics character, probably my favorite comics character, and has been for about ten years. I, I will be there on day one seeing what she's doing in Detective Comics and hoping it'll be good. And Tynan has been good so far, so I I have faith going forward. I'm also incredibly excited about uh, Greg Rocker returning to Wonder Woman. Yes. Um, Wonder Woman, I think, has a lot of buzz now because of Batman vs. Superman. Uh, reviews have been really positive about her, even if they're negative about the movie. And so I think that this is a really good time for them to give Wonder Woman some great stories. And Greg Rucka back in 2004 to 2006 did some of the best Wonder Woman stories I've ever read. Yeah. Uh, Luke? I kind of lucked out because, I mean, between the titles that are just naturally just going away from my pull list, it all kind of evens out. So pretty much everything I'm getting now, I'll be able to carry on through. So um, at Rebirth, I'm pretty much going to be set. Uh, yeah, of course, we get tech course we get batman there is that little oh that little thing in the corner called all star batman which i'm just friggin' geeking the f out yeah now that's all it's especially they're bringing back together jacques and frank avia to do a story oh man because i just hold the black mirrors like high regards this is like a, a black mirror revisited so uh the only kind of thing that's kind of down me a little bit it's of course my boy, Red Hood, still <sighs> with Lovedell. I'm like, why? You're not yeah. excited about another Scott Lovedell <laughs> Red Hood in the no. Outlaws? No. <laughs> I, I don't, and I never want to piss all over, you know, a, another creator. But I, I go, in what universe is he still writing Red Hood? How does he still, it, through the whole new Fifty Two? into DCYOU and I thought in Rebirth they were going to shake up all the creators. He's the only one since the New 52 that is staying on his same book. I want to know how in the world that is even possible. How is it possible? I, I really I have I don't read the series so I've never checked sales numbers but I really want to know what sales numbers are because that is a ridiculous decision based on critical review. Um, and like Jason Lansing and Colin Kelly, who are writing for this series, they did a great Jason Todd. Yeah. What was wrong with them? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't get it. I when I saw the solicitations uh, for that, my heart sank for you, Luke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I was literally they were like, and of course, I love how they like speed past, sped past it right toward the end, and Red Hood and the Outlaws, uh, Bloodell. It's like no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a drive-by <laughs> shooting. I was like, oh. oh no. <laughs> Now that was my dog. <laughs> this has been a blast to do with you guys. I had an idea uh, when the Robin 75th anniversary was going on. 
I thought, yeah, I can do three podcasts at the same time. And a couple times I forgot which show I was on and introduced some shows as another show. But I think it's been a great time uh, to be a Robin fan as this story started last year during his 75th anniversary. And uh, now that we're ready for the next phase of DC Comics, I think it's breathed a lot of uh, life back into some people and some hopefulness. So hopefully DC is on the right stretch. Hopefully it goes without saying that I would love to work with the three of you guys again. I know Terrence isn't here. We're doing Everyone Loves the Drake. I have this kind of crazy idea that I want to do something in the Rebirth era, and part of me really wants to turn Everyone Loves the Drake into a mere podcast. Spend half of the podcast in the 90s with the classic Tim Drake, and then the issues that are important with Tim in Detective Comics in the Rebirth era is kind of seeing what's going on. If nothing else, maybe to have you guys on Everyone Loves the Drake at some point, or maybe work out a podcast later at some point. Uh, it's just, it's been cool, you know, once a month that we're getting the Batman and Robin eternal team together and talking about these books. So, uh, from my point, uh, thank, uh, both of you guys that are here and, and I've said this to Terrence too, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's been cool stumbling on your YouTube channel, Luke, and then, uh, watching it grow and then having you on this show has been a blast. Uh, Ian, uh, I enjoy reading your reviews all the time. So I'm glad that you want uh, uh, to do the podcast uh, as well after the first couple episodes went up so um, I couldn't be happier to do this and I want to give a big thanks to Dustin at the Batman Universe for allowing us to uh, do this on the uh, specials uh, feed and uh, he said he's been getting a lot of uh, cool messages about the show so and uh, that goes out to the the three of you guys as well so a uh, big thank you uh, let's do a couple quick plugs um, Luke, where can the, the good folks in the Batman universe find you for more comic information? I can find it at uh, Luke Batman Video Reviews on YouTube. And uh, Ian, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, where can uh, people uh, see your work and other things that you're working on? Well, I blog most frequently at ibmiller.tumblr.com. Um, and, of course, I'm on the Batman universe. Um, we're still working out all the reshuffling of books with Rebirth coming on but I've requested a couple titles and hopefully I'll get one of them and you'll see me at least uh, monthly. Any final things you guys want to say before we uh, sign off for the last time? Uh, sadly uh, Luke? It, it goes back to the, the thing I've loved about the last series is how that weekly event really brought together that fans together have a dialogue of how the how core whatever how the story game that whole camaraderie thing and, and that's why I loved it about this one uh, thanks again gang for inviting me on and participating this was just a total blast for me hands down if there's anything any project you definitely want to do yet definitely keep me in mind I'm, I'm totally down you guys were definitely a blast to chat about the bat with so Ian yeah, I, uh, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. I have loved podcasting with all three of you guys. Um, I did want to sort of, as my last thought, read a little bit of Dick's final speech to his brothers Definitely. in number uh, 26, where he says, We're not doing this, being Robin, for the recognition. We're doing it because sometimes the world needs a helping hand, a grin in the dark leading them to safety. That's what he, Batman, saw in us. That's what he knew we could do for the world if he ever fell. And that, that really is, I think, what Providence, a grin in the dark, leading people to safety. Cool. Excellent. 
on the behalf of Ian, Luke, and Terrence, this is Rob, and this has been the BatmanUniverse.net specials and the conclusion of Batman and Robin Eternal. Thanks for listening to us. We had a blast doing it, and we will see you guys again somewhere out there in a red vest and a yellow cape. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. This show is part of the Batman Universe specials and has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman. The thoughts and opinions are the thoughts and opinions of the four knuckleheads that are talking. What could they possibly know? They read comics for crying out loud. Batman and all related characters are under the copyright of DC Comics. All music and sound clips are under their respective copyright holders as well and are used for illustrative purposes. So no lawyers need to get involved as this show makes no money. Zero. Zilch. Nada. So no infringement is intended. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by going through our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Batman and Robin Eternal. Or in the search, you can type in Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast, and that will lead you directly to us. You can also leave a message over at the BatmanUniverse.net as the Batman Universe hosts this show, so I definitely suggest to go over there and peruse everything that Batman Universe has to offer. You can leave a comment into the current episodes in the comment section. Or you can email me directly, Rob, at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's r10myers at yahoo.com. And title the message, Batman and Robin Eternal, or myself, or Terrence, or Ian, or Luke will read the email in the show. Thanks for listening to the Batman Universe Specials production of Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. We will see you soon. Take care.